Welcome to Change, Redefining Success, the podcast designed to inspire you and give you actionable information to enhance, up-level, reimagine, and reinvent your life and your livelihood. No matter where you started, where you are now, or where you've been, you too can lead an authentic, first-class life. Each week, new stories of turning points and transformation will help you define what success means to you so you can live your best life on your terms. Now here's your host, first-class life mentor and certified profiting from your passions coach, Kate Fessler. Welcome to Change Redefining Success. I'm your host, Kate Fessler, and today my guest is Christine Kozachuk. Christine is a real-life coal miner's daughter. She suffered a life of childhood poverty, giving birth to her first child at age 13 and two more by the time she was 18 with an abusive husband. Christine courageously walked out with her three children and transformed her life. Christine's personal story has affected her business mindset and her personal goals. She's owned multiple successful businesses, including RC Mobile Truck Repair Services, for over 20 years and successfully opened and operated a fitness studio, Pink Ice Ladies Fitness, in which she not only ran the business, but instructed and encouraged every client. Apart from being a powerful public speaker, Christine has been the managing director of the Charlotte chapter of the eWomen Network Group for over two years. After making the heartfelt decision to delve further into her passion for public motivation and speaking, Christine has found a new direction and positive purpose that she can't wait to share with others to help them heal and grow in their own lives. Whether you are at the end of your rope or have already let go and landed in a place you feel you can't get out, Christine will have you believing one thing. You can. Welcome, Christine. Thank you, Kate. You made me sound really good. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way around it. You had a pr- you had it pretty rough as a kid. Yes. What was it like growing up as a real life coal miner's daughter? Oh my goodness! You know, my childhood. You know, we had. Our family was really, you know, we were a close family. Uh, you know, we come from the, you know, West Virginia, southern, you know, tip of West Virginia, and we were close as families as that, you know, as that the, our families are then and are still are. But growing up in, you know, as a Coleman's daughter, we grew up in poverty, and um, you know, I can remember almost every day of my life, you know, it was beans and potatoes almost every single day. And a piece of meat for us was actually a luxury for us. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I can also remember, you know, when I'm, I'm growing up is, uh, you know, we only got school clothes once a year. And, and then in the summertime, you know, they cut them off for your shorts and that's what we wore for summertime. So right. It was, you know, the poverty and, um, but, you know, I have good memories of, you know, my family and my grandmother and everything like that, but the poverty itself, but I didn't know that I was in poverty, you know, because everyone there was in the same situation I was in. Right. That's a good point. Now you gave birth to your first child at age 13. Were you able to finish school or did you have to drop out? No, I dropped out, uh, you know. I dropped out when I became married at 14, you know, after I had my son, uh, I'd married, you know, their father, um, at 14 
And after my mother helped me with, you know, my son um, until I married and I did go to school until then. But when I got married, I actually quit school. Um, And yeah. And um, so I did go back in my, you know, early 30s and, you know, received my GED and then, you know, took some college courses. But I did, you know, I dropped out at 14 years old. Yeah. You had two more kids by the time you were 18. You Mm -hmm. didn't get to have much of an adolescence. How did that feel for you at the time? Did it feel unusual or was that also something that you didn't really know wasn't normal? Um, I don't think I knew it was, it wasn't normal. Um, you know, because there was, you know, many girls and many, you know, situations then for, for that, my hometown, it was either two things. Most of the girls, they were, you know, we get pregnant or, or they were on drugs really bad. So it was very, you know, poverty stricken with the drugs and, you know, the pregnancies and things um, like that. But, you know, at that time, you know, there was times when I'd say I would see some of my friends that, you know, wasn't in that situation wishing that I, you know, I could go out on dates or go to a prom or, you know, just go hang out or and things like that. But I knew I had a responsibility of three children, you know, three children that depended on me. Yeah. And to make matters worse, your husband was abusive. Yes. You ultimately found the courage to leave. Mm-hmm. How old were your kids when you did that? And how did you get away? Um, yeah, I, I married at 14. My, you know, my husband was, uh, you know, on drugs, very abusive. And, and, you know, I don't think I've ever mentioned this on another podcast, but my, he was, you know, five years older than I was. So, you know, I feel like now that I look back at it, he should have been charged with statutory rape. You know? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, but, you know, having the three children, um, I remember, uh, Kate, at I was 18 years old, and you know I had my son was, uh, oh my goodness, he wasn't even a year old yet, and you know I was so tired of you know the abuse, and I was so tired of you know going to work because we worked the same shifts. Also, we worked second shift in a you know a factory. And, you know, we were always together. It seemed like always together. You know, it's like he was always accusing me of this or that. You're cheating. How in the world can I cheat with three children, you know, and working and cleaning? (laughs) 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 And um, but I remember the night um, that I actually left. And, you know, for me, it was because I grew up in a broken home. And I would say to myself, you know, I don't want my children growing up like that. But the realization for me one day was like, you know what? My children can't continue living like this. They can't be seeing this. They can't be. They're getting older and they're seeing this. So, okay, I remember the night that I actually, you know, walked out with my three kids on my hips was he literally beat me to death. He said, and he actually, this is a little difficult for me. (laughs) Um, No, I understand. Yeah. He was cutting up my clothes and he was beating me and he took a fishing twine and tried to choke me with it and was taking a bow and arrow and trying to shoot me with it, me laying on the couch and my three children just screaming and screaming and screaming. So I looked at him and just, you know, I don't know what got into me, the, you know, my power of being a mom. I don't know what it was, but I was protecting my children. 
And so I gathered up my three children. We lived in a trailer park at the time. And I gathered up my three children on my hips, went to the neighbors because we didn't even have a phone, not a landline or anything. And so I went there and I called my babysitter that, you know, took care of my children. And I told her what had happened and asked if I could stay with her. And she said, yes. So she came and picked me up and I've never looked back. I've never looked back at that situation of him, you know, doing that to me. Was your family supported of your choice to leave him? Um, you know, it, it was, uh, I never allowed anybody to know what was really going on in, in my family with that uh, situation. And it, even when I'd go to work or to have bruises, you know, I tried to hide, I would say, you know, um, I fell or tripped or, or something like that. But there is one thing, you know, God knows I love my mother to death, but, you know, I've, I've said this many times before and it still kind of hurts deep inside is my mother, you know, once I left him, I had told her, you know, what had happened, everything. And I had went home for Christmas uh, one year, the same year that, you know, that I had left him. I went home and I didn't go to West Virginia at that time because my grandmother at that time had moved to Whitville, Virginia. And so I went home and, you know, had my kids and my mother looked at me and says, you know, I wish you would go back to him so I wouldn't have to worry about you so much. And I looked at her. I said, no, you should be worrying about me more being with him. So it was, you know, um, supportive. No. You know, um, I, I guess that's where the estrangement of, you know, that part with my family comes into play. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's uncommon for for women who are in abusive relationships that the family doesn't really get it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, but yeah, that's unfortunate because, of course, what you need is support to to leave, not to stay. Right. But and the, did, the thing is with my mother is she was in abusive relationship. My father, my biological father was abusive to her. So she knew, you know, the situation of, you know, getting out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So did he come after you at all or did he just let you go? Um, you know, he, it was more, it was a harassment a lot, you know, because once I went back into the home, we went through, you know, the legal separation goes in the state of North Carolina, you had to be separated, you know, a year before you can get the final divorce. So I had went, you know, with, through the legal separation and they allowed me to go back into the home after, you know, with the babysitter, they awarded me the home and, you know, the child support. And I had finally got a, a phone. I put a landline in and he had the phone number and it was a lot of harassment from him and his, you know, in-laws of, you know, they didn't, couldn't grasp the fact that I'd actually, you know, left and was mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how old were you at that, at this point? I was 18. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, I was 18. So, mm-hmm. And I had just got my driver's license because, it, you know, I couldn't get my driver's license until I was 18, but I had three children. <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah. It, it took you a long time to talk about this publicly. Yeah. And, and you've said that a couple of things you've said you've never really said before. Um, oh, are your kids, were they old enough to, to understand, to remember what happened? Um, only my oldest son remembers things. Um, my daughter and my youngest son does not remember anything. They don't remember living with him at all. You know, my oldest son, um, the thing with my oldest son, he saw so much. And the husband that I'm married to now, I've been <clears throat> with him for 27 years. Um, you know, there was one day I didn't even know he had told. I didn't even know that he knew 
certain things that had went on in that house. And he had told, you know, my husband now, and he, my husband came to me and said, I knew. I was like, how'd you know? He said, Darren, I was like, I didn't even know that he knew, you know, that. Uh. But yes, he, you know, he knew, um, but he, you know, he remembers, but the other two do not, which I thank God he doesn't remember it. Mm-hmm. So when you started talking about this and sharing this story did you share this with them first and how did they react to that um you know my daughter um they you know said I'm very proud of you of finally letting it out my two sons have really not said much about it you know they're very supportive and you know I've talked about what I've been through and everything like that and I even allowed my daughter you know she's even you know, before I even the first podcast you know of my women who triumph that I had interviewed myself uh, well one of my members I actually allowed to interview me and um you know, I let her listen to it before I put it on there and you know she says you know I'm very proud of you for finally telling your story because you will be able to help so many out there. And your sons, Mm -hmm. there's, it sounds like there's kind of a cycle of abuse in your family. Mm -hmm. What are you doing and what are they doing to make sure that this doesn't replay in their lives? You know, um, when I'm, you know, I married my husband, uh, that had my husband now the most generous man in the world. So I thank God that he raised them and raised them to be the men that they are today. Excellent. And you now have grandchildren. Oh, yes. (laughs) Five. (laughs) And how old are they? Uh, one is 13, uh, one is 11, one is 10, one is eight, and actually Eli just turned five years old today. And oh, happy he, birthday, Eli. You know, <laughs> we I can't believe he's going to school in a couple of weeks. <laughs> like, uh, I was like, yeah, and I only have one granddaughter, and um, she was actually my daughter named her after me, so. Oh, yeah. isn't that sweet? Yeah. Yeah, she's so sweet. But but uh, if you ask her, she'll tell you that I was named after her. So, you know. Oh, right. Of course. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So you transformed your life with a new husband who Mm -hmm. presumably sounds like adores you and your kids. Mm -hmm. You also created a six figure business Mm -hmm. that you've had for more than 20 years in a field that's a bit unusual for a woman. uh, RC Mobile Truck Repair Services. How did that come about? You know, I get that question asked all the time. And I tell people, I said, you know what? I still run this business in my high heels too. So, (laughs) but I I get that question asked a lot. And, you know, I tell people, uh, my kids were getting older. My kids, kids needed more and they needed to be fed. Um, You know, and so, you know, my husband and I both were working, you know, um, from paycheck to paycheck, just to make him ends meet. And he, um, you know, worked as a mechanic in New York where he's from. And then when he went to the military, went to Marine Corps, he, that's what he done. But when we met, he and I actually met in Florida. When we met, he actually worked for a civil engineer uh, in Florida. And he became laid off. And then, you know, we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. And he went back into that field because he couldn't find anything with a civil engineer. And my background of being, you know, more into the administrative part, into the office reception and things like that, 
we create sit down one day and said, let's do this and see what we can create. So he and I worked this business, uh, you know, building our clientele up for five years. And then we were able to go out on our own in year 2000. Yeah. Excellent. Well, congratulations. And how is it working with him? Uh, is uh, that like, is that, <laughs> is that a, a good thing or a bad thing? I know a lot of people are, they would love to be in business with their spouse and some are like, I would never go into my spouse. This way, when we, we've, uh, you know, first got our garage, I had my office there. Uh, we don't work very good together in the same building. So I do my, more of my administrative live at home and he works there and, mo- and more of our mobile service because most of our hours is mobile. And that's what we specialize in, you know, the mobile part of it instead of the garage part of it. But yeah, we don't work in the same building. I work from home. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> work out too well. <laughs> We're both controllers, just put it that way. <laughs> uh, and who's the boss of the business? He knows the one in the high heels. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. So tell me about the Pink Ice Ladies Fitness. That's a bit of a departure for mobile truck repair. Yeah, I had went into that. And the reason I had went into the in the fitness industry, uh, when I was 30, I was actually diagnosed with very high blood pressure and um, was really overweight. And... There was one day I said, you know what, I want to help other women because I, I would go to the doctor and the doctor would say, you know, this is what you need to do to lose the weight, but they didn't tell you exactly how to do it. So that's where I said, you know, I want to teach women how to do that. So that's how my fitness industry and my personal training instructor and instructor uh, career started was with that. And, you know, um, actually when I became the man and director back in 2015 at eWomen, I closed my training studio down and went back into completely back into the truck repair business. And then, you know, the eWomen network. Well, I had the pleasure of meeting you in person just last week. And I will say that it looks like you have kept up your fitness routine because you look fabulous. I said, I've got to relieve that stress. So I said, you know, yeah, I do it for my health, but it's more for my stress of my health. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. indeed. Thanks. Now, you say that you made the heartfelt decision to delve further into your passion for public motivation and speaking, mm-hmm. which gave you a new direction and positive purpose. Was making that decision difficult? Um, you know what? It was. Um, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. Um, because for my story, Um, You really had to be in my inner circle for you to know my whole life story. I always kept it hid um, because when people would look at me, you know, people just always thought I had it together and they never realized the wounds that were inside of it. Um, But the first time that I realized that, you know, because I always thought, okay, Christine, this is only happened to you. You know, most of us women, that's the way we feel. We're the only ones going through this. But I was sitting at a round table one day and realized that none of us have it together. None of Mm -hmm. us story and there's there's always something you know we've that we all have a story we've always all been through something so when i and i still at that time would not really tell my story of exactly who i was because it still was something emotional that i was still dealing with because you know for me i was still busy raising my kids i never really you know um you know really stopped because they were my why of who i am today you know they were the reason that and i I even thanked them one time and told them 
you, if it was not for you, I would not be the successful woman I am today because you are my why. And, um, but you know, it, um, I became, when I came to the managing director in 2015, I started, you know, talking individually with my members, we, you know, we would, you know, go to Starbucks or whatever. And I would tell them, I said, you know, I know who you are, you know, as business, because, you know, I've been a member for eWomen Network at that time, about eight years. And I said, I know your business a little bit, but I just don't want to know your business. I want to know exactly who you are as a person. I want to know, you know, your family and everything like that. But what I realized I was holding masks. I had a lot of masks on that they needed to know exactly who Christine was also. So when Mm -hmm. I started telling my story, they would look at me like, oh, my goodness, you've got to tell me your story. And then they started opening up a little bit more of who they were. They were starting to tell me stories that sort, you know, stories kind of like mine, you know, not certain stories like that. So I realized that, you know, I do need to start telling my story, but it still took me a while. Um, I hired a speaking coach, a brander, and, you know, just been working on that. And that's how Women Who Triumph, you know, also came about with, you know, my Mm -hmm. podcast. So, yeah, it took a while. Uh, And but you know what, Kate, ever since I've been talking about it for the last two years, I I would tell I told one lady, I said, it's not like, you know, how people say, you know, you feel like a load's been lifted off of you. I literally feel like two huge mountains like Mount Everest has been lifted off of me. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, it's it's definitely important for people to understand Mm-hmm. Um, that they're not alone. And that was, uh, you know, a theme of the conference that where we met. Um, because at, a coach once told me that the thing that you're most ashamed to tell people about your life or about you mm-hmm. is where your treasure is. Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing that you most need to talk about. Which is kind of an interesting perspective, but I think that it is sort of the key to uh, freeing yourself, right, Mm -hmm. from whatever you're carrying around, because there's really, you aren't alone. It's not, it's not, you're not the only person who's gone through this, and there's no reason to feel shame about it. Right. And, you know, and, and, and doing this and, you know, and speaking and things, and that's what I want, you know, other young girls. And I, I'm not even saying young girls, you know, cause a lot of boys go through this because the, the women, you know, the young woman may not want the baby and the, you know, the, the, the boy or the young man, you know, decides to take, you know, that role. So, you know, I want to let them know that no matter what's happened in their life, no matter where they have come from in life, no matter what education, no matter, you know, their money situation, no matter what it, is they still can and they still will create the life that they deserve with their big why because they do matter you know they matter to this world they matter to so many people they just need to you know stand back look in the mirror and realize that themselves mm-hmm. now you also i believe your business is called fix and rise is that correct. right yeah correct mm-hmm. T- tell me why um fix and rise is you know sit back and you know look at and fix the situation that you're in and rise to the top because you can, you know, fix whatever it is. You can turn it around and you can rise to the top. What else would you say to someone who might be listening, who is in an abusive marriage or who's suffered some of the same circumstances of poverty and bearing children at an early age, maybe had to drop out of school who thinks maybe this is all their life could ever be? 
Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, what I would say to anyone that's being abused, um, reach out. Tell someone, reach out, get out. You know, because your your life is better than that. And if you think that you can't, just, you know, think about my situation. I lived in a trailer park. I was literally counting pennies at the dollar store, living in a trailer park uh, with three kids at 18 years old with no education and walked out and survived myself. What it takes, like, you know, was said earlier, is the why. You know, if, you know, you may not have all the money in the world, you may not have all the education in the world, but there is one thing that I can tell you, and this is actually on my wall, and I have a door that's, I have a chalkboard wall and you just have to visualize this it's a chalkboard wall and i have a door with a knob on it and what i say is no matter what whatever you want you can get it and you deserve it because there's always five ways around it there's one you can knock if that door don't open you can go around it you can go you know you got two ways to go around it you go over it and under it and there's one thing i know about a door it's a building eventually it will fall down so keep Mm -hmm. it moving and keep going on because if you want it you'll get it you just may have to work a little bit harder than others but you will you can do it Mm -hmm. i think one of the biggest obstacles for people is they end up feeling uh, as part of the abuse that they don't deserve it Mm -hmm. yeah because you're so beat down down physically and mentally it's you know i had someone say uh, to me one time um I'm not going to, I know I'm not going to quote this exactly. You know, you always think it's your, you're, you're the fault. You're, it's your problem, but it's, you know, you're not the one to be fixed. They're the ones to be fixed. They're the one, there's something wrong with them, not you. Right. But it's not your job to fix them. It's your job to take care of you and get away from the situation. Exactly. Yes, exactly. But, you know, reach out because, you know, you will be surprised of how many women out there have been in the same situation as you have. You'd be surprised. And Mm -hmm. nobody, 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 nobody deserves to be abused. No matter what. Nobody. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So you have a podcast. Oh, Mm -hmm. sorry. Go ahead. No, I said no one can, uh, you know, no one is ever allowed to touch you in any way that you don't want to be touched. Right. Or, or even, uh, mentally abuse you. Yes. Because you that know, is- sometimes there's no physical abuse, but it's just as devastating when your, your self-esteem is eroded and, you know, you, you don't feel like you have a choice. And again, you don't feel like you deserve it. Absolutely. Yeah. That mental abuse can be, you know, as abusive as physical. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have a podcast that you mentioned before called Women Who Triumph, also Mm -hmm. on the EWN Podcast Network. Yes. Uh Why did you start that podcast and what types of people and situations do you highlight on your program? Um, Why I started Women Who Triumph is a part of my business called Fix and Rise. And what the, the type of women that I interview is women that have been through obstacles just like myself and have overcome it to be the successful woman they are today. And reason of the women triumph, I want other women to know that they can also do it. There's so many women out there has been through so many different things in life and but they've overcame it and you know to be successful and to you know to create the life that they totally deserve. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that is the purpose of my podcast, too. Yes. <laughs> for people to create their first class life that they deserve and desire. Yeah. And, you know, and like I, you know, had said, you know, earlier about, you know, sitting at that round table and, and realizing that I, I thought I was the only one that didn't have it together, that other women didn't have it together. So I want others to know that if they think that they're alone, they're not alone. They, they are, are not alone. No. That is very true. Mm-hmm. Well, we're almost out of time. So I have to ask you, what is one book or resource that changed your life that you would recommend to people? Um, you know what? The Fred Factor. Fred uh, the, Factor. The Fred Factor is a book about, uh, you know, it was it's about a postal man um, that always gave, you know, and always, you know, treating his, even though he was a postal, you know, postal uh, gentleman and stuff, um, he always treated everyone on his route with respect. So that is one thing that with the Fred factor that in my life, I've always, you know, when I read that book, I always find something, you know, new in that book. It just, um, you know, it's way everyone should treat everyone, no matter if you're a janitor to, you know, to CEO of Coca-Cola. Everyone should be treated equally and should be treated with respect. I agree with that 100 mm-hmm. percent. Yes. So if people want to find out more about you and your business and your podcast, how can they do that? Um, they can go to fixandrise.com uh, and, you know, all the contact information is there and about my podcast is also on there. Um, you know, you can also contact me, you know, on my phone at 704-208-9561. But majority of this is on my uh, website and, you know, go on there. And if you want to be a woman that's, you know, that needs to be interviewed or wants to be interviewed and tell your story, you know, just contact me and I would love to interview you. Christine Kozachuk, you are a true inspiration. It's been a pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you so much, Kate. I enjoyed it. Christine is living proof that no matter where you started or where you are now, you can lead your own authentic first-class life. You just have to believe in yourself and start making different choices. Some, like living an abusive relationship without the support of your family, may be extremely difficult, but as you heard, absolutely necessary. If you are in an abusive situation, please reach out for help and get away from it as quickly as possible. As we said, nobody, nobody, nobody deserves to be abused, and you do not deserve to be treated poorly, no matter what other people may be telling you. The abuser has a vested interest in making you feel that way. Do not listen. You are strong and you deserve better. Period. If you have something to add to the discussion, please leave a comment on the show page or on my Facebook page, First Class Life Solutions. Please follow my podcast and share it with your friends. If you'd like to be a guest on my show, please click on the link on the podcast page and fill out the survey so we can see if it's a good fit. Next week, my guest will be Debbie Carlson Gould. Debbie spent the first 18 years of her working life at the same job. Self-limiting beliefs about her education, abilities, and worth kept her stuck in an unsatisfying situation. Driven by the desire to relocate her family and therefore increase her earnings potential, she embarked on an intensive journey of self-discovery and career development. 
Through that process, she defined her own motivated skill sets, came to understand what type of work for which she was most suited, and learned successfully how to bypass standard HR procedures when seeking and landing new employment within her career goals. She quickly became an expert at landing newly created problem-solving positions, serving the unique needs of the organizations that engaged her. All this led Debbie to form her own consulting firm, so she could work for multiple organizations at once. Her ambitions to grow the business resulted in her devoting longer hours and creating additional stress for herself. Soon her life became unmanageable. Troublesome health issues entered the picture. Sadly, the painful and baffling symptoms were given a name, cancer. Being practically a workaholic by that time, Debbie found it difficult to face that she would need to slow down and focus on herself. Several surgeries and chemotherapy made that inevitable. The intense suffering and pain from the surgeries and chemotherapy forced a halt. Deep introspection followed, along with rearranging her priorities and a new definition of the meaning of life. Upon receiving her diagnosis, Debbie decided to write a blog as a cathartic and therapeutic exercise. It was also her hope that others would benefit from reading it and knowing that they are not alone in facing difficult and scary experiences. After she completed her treatment, amid positive feedback and encouragement, she made the decision to expand her blog into a book and embark on a speaking tour to share her experiences, thoughts, and feelings, again hoping to help others understand and feel supported to offer support to other cancer patients and their families, to help others understand the real fear and existential crises faced by those fighting for their lives, to share and spread the notion that life holds so much more meaning than working, increasing earnings, getting the new house, car, and all of that. Debbie believes that love and genuine connection with others, a healthy spirit, body, and soul are the real rewards of a life well-lived. I hope you'll join us. Until then, here's to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening to Change, Redefining Success. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at ewnpodcastnetwork.com.